I'd like to put in a plug for our Upward Basketball program. Uh, come on out and join us on Saturday morning. You can't miss one game, really. There's seven of them between 8 o'clock and uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we got one little boy out there. He's he's number one. I think he's in the first grade. I talked to his dad yesterday and uh, put in a good word for him. I wanted to be his manager when he turns pro. <laughs> so if y'all want to see something, oh, come out and join us on Saturday. Well, Brother Sam got a special this morning. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I believe whatever the cause, and when time has And earth is no more I'll still cling To the old rugged path I believe That this life With its great mystery Surely someday we'll come to an end. Oh, but faith will conquer the darkness and death and will lead me at last to That the Christ who was slain on the cross has the power to change life today. Or he changed me completely. A new life is mine.
Thank you, Brother Sam. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Hope you got a bulletin and uh, follow along with the message there. And uh, well, I picked a rough Sunday to have uh, use the tug-of-war illustration, and uh, I didn't know there was going to be so many muscles on the other end of that, and uh, there were. And I appreciate, again, all the parents and grandparents for bringing uh, your children. The Bible says this about children. It says, children are a heritage unto the Lord. It says, Blessed is the man who has his quiver full and likened children unto arrows. And that, of course, that is a, a verse uh, indicating that it's good to have many children. Some people said, Well, I'm just going to have one, two, three, or and that's it. That's all we're having, or whatever the case may be. Uh, and certainly, God has blessed me. You know, used to, that was the thing. Uh, people had a lot of children, and uh, and there was a lot of cases in the Bible where it also brought a lot of heartache. It even brings heartache today. There's parents and couples that struggle with uh, having children, and that was the case in the Bible days also. There was a, a lot of people. Then the stories go on and on. Uh, of course, one of the most famous is Hannah and how that she wanted a child. She begged the Lord for a child. And, and then God did answer her prayer, and Samuel came along. I want to speak this morning, before we read, on the subject that is, I think, uh, very needed in Ashley County. It's a new day for your family is a very simple title. It's just, a, a, you know, I want to, if I can, maybe this sermon is for somebody. But in the next 30 minutes or so, how can I speak a sermon in 30 minutes? You cannot fix many problems in 30 minutes. You, uh, you can barely change oil in under 30 minutes. You can do it if you have everything already set up. But you know what I mean? So if you can't do that in 30 minutes, how can you fix a host of problems? Well, the main thing is, is to point people to point you as an individual in the right direction. The right direction is God's Word. And to look at this, it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough subject. I have shared this many times in our church today about my own testimony. I, growing up in a broken home and how that affected me and my sister. And it is it echoes throughout your whole life. It'll it'll be that way. It'll be a it's kinda like having a scar. It is. It's kinda like having a scar on your body. It'll be there the rest of your life. It's just something you've got to learn to deal with. So let's get started. And I want and hopefully I can give you some verses and some things to think about this morning. Not because it's Michael Reese that knows that I don't have a whole lot of wisdom. Anything I have, I have gleaned from others. And that's what we're going to look at, and that's gleaning something from God's Word. There may be a home, a marriage, or an individual that's struggling here today. 
You may be struggling in your marriage. You may be struggling in your home. You may be struggling with your children. And hopefully something I say today can help this morning. So let's all stand for the reading of God's holy word. Just one verse. Just one verse. Joshua 24 and verse 15. Joshua 24 and verse 15. The Word of God says this, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity this morning. I want to pray this morning that your hand would bless and touch every home that's represented here this morning. May something that is said through your Holy Spirit, through your word, be encouraged encouraging and uplifting to everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In a very bold and declarative statement, Joshua draws a line in the sand concerning his family to say this this is it. Joshua was closing out the end of his life. He was an old man at this time. And he had his children, his grandchildren, and probably even his great-grandchildren around him when he issued that statement. And they knew his family. They knew that was a big deal to, to the Jews to know all about that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're going to be faced with many choices, many choices in your life in the very first point. I put, Satan wants to destroy your family. Back in Genesis chapter 3, just looking at that real quick, it says, now the serpent was more subtle, sneaky, crafty, Genesis 3, than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, and I'll just stop right there, and he begins a conversation. He speaks to her. He sees this. Now, a lot of people wonder when the timing and effort that Satan fell and, uh, and how it all came about. I've got my idea about the timing of it. I think that, uh, I don't think it was too long. I think his, he, some people believe he fell before he created man. I think there's a very good possibility that Satan fell after he created man. Now, we don't know the number of days that Adam and Eve were around upon this planet, but basically this, I think Satan was jealous of God and his relationship uh, to Adam and Eve. And guess what? He has a right to be. Why does God want to destroy you and your family? Because you are the only thing on this planet created in the image of God. You are That's it. There's only one being that's created in the image of God, and Satan wants to destroy that. 
First thing he went after. He could have, some people said, you know, talk about, well, what did Satan do after he fell? This and that. Well, i tell you one thing. You, you can put it in any order you want to. I can tell you one thing. He went after Adam and Eve. And he saw the weak link. And the Bible says in the Old Testament and the New, Eve was deceived and Adam knew what he was doing. It says it plainly. So basically when you say deceived, Eve was tricked. Plain and simple. He got her. So folks, we've all been tricked. We've all been sold a bill of goods by the world. You do this and your marriage will be happy. If I had a better job, a better car, a better life, better whatever, if I had these clothes, if I had enough money, if I had whatever, I'll be happy. That's a lie from Satan. When we focus on trying to be like the world and be like everybody else, we're, we're believing a lie. And that's exactly what Satan told Eve. He told her a lie. Now, if your home or your marriage or your relationship with it, even your kids is struggling, Job, and we won't turn over there. There's a bunch of verses. Don't have time to go over. There's a ton of material. God allowed he and his family to be attacked by Satan. You know, and basically it comes down to this. I love this, and I typed it up in the outline for you. And it says this, choose to make your home his home. Back to our text verse. But, I, pardon me, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's it. When you make that determination that my marriage, my home, my relationships, there may be some, uh, you know, of course we have married people in here, we have single people in here, we have kids, we have kids that I see their parents making decisions, but folks, the best decision that you can ever make as a married person or as a single person is to say, I'm going to make my home God's home. I'm going to put Him first in my life. I'm going to put Him first in my marriage. You say, what if I'm married to somebody who won't make that decision for me or with me, we'll get to that. Because the Bible actually tells and gives some advice on how to deal with that. And gives some very good advice, obviously. You know, Satan wants to destroy your family. And he literally did uh, kill Job's kids. Uh, God allowed that to happen. You say, you know, just like some people have asked, why did God allow those poor, innocent children to be killed and murdered in Connecticut. You know, we can never understand the mind of God this side of eternity. And sometimes, and many people have come to realize this in their own life, there are times where we don't know the answers. And we won't ever know them this side of eternity. God does allow bad things to happen to good people. You know, marriages are suffering and in danger. And the next point, Ephesians 5. Let's head to Ephesians 5. Marriages are hurting all over Ashley County. And, oh, of course, the whole world. But we're here, and that's who, where we're going to deal with. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. And I'm going to fly through these real quick. We're going to cover a have a marriage uh, little conference in about uh, about three or four minutes right here. And we've got to move on. 
The Bible says in Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And uh, and you say, well, yeah. Husband said, oh, yeah. Preach it, Brother Michael. Yeah. says, wives, submit. But then it says, as unto the Lord. So we have to be, if we're not being Christ-like, uh, she's not real obligated. Okay? But if, we are, if we're living for the Lord... We need to follow his spiritual leadership. That's what it says right there. If we're not being Christ, if we're being unchristlike, we we're not we're not worth following. We're not worth submitting to. So if I'm being unchristlike, Karen has no obligation to submit to my leadership. Did you hear that, men, guys? Your wife has no no need to submit to your leadership if you're not being Christlike, because it says what as unto the Lord. Okay? So, not only is the wife so submit to the Lord, but follow her husband's leadership as unto the Lord. Because that is the Lord ever going to be unchristlike? No. <laughs> He's not, neither should we as men. For the husband is the head of the wife, even, and that means responsible, by the way. It doesn't mean dictator. He's responsible for the spiritual and physical well-being of the home. Even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Again, following the leadership in a Christ-like example. Husbands, now this is the man. This is where the wife says, oh yeah, preach it, Brother Michael. Yeah, tell them about it. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You're to literally worship the ground she walks on. Love her so much that, and it says on down, it says that as you read it, that I'm willing to give up my life for her. And you know what? If you, Listen to me very closely. If you're that kind of husband, if you're the kind of husband that says, I love my wife, I'll lay down my life for her, and I've got Jesus first in my life and my heart, she will bend over backwards to do anything in the world for you. Because she sees that you, number one, love her above everything. You know, uh, there's a bunch of controversy. I'm going to give this about 30 or 45 seconds. There's a bunch of controversy about the Scripture over there that says, uh, uh, that talking about pastors and qualifications for a pastor, says let the bishops be the husband of one wife. And let us say, well, you can't be married more than once. But if you really take that literally according to that, uh, then it means that a pastor can be married only once but have 500 affairs and still be qualified for the office of a pastor. Well, we know that's not true. Literally in the Greek, you know what it means? It means totally devoted to one woman. He's not a flirt. He's not a cheat. And he, hadn't, he doesn't go around having affairs. Because literally you can be married only one time and still be guilty of infidelity. Okay? That means having affairs. I can say it all day long, all the different ways. And that, that's wrong. But you know what it literally says? Even for pastors, they're totally committed to their wives. Totally committed not to messing around, but to one woman. That's what it says. Let the bishop be the husband of one wife. That's what it says. And that's the way we all should be. So right here... When a, and when a wife sees that her husband is totally committed to her, she will follow his leadership. 
And that's the way the design is here. That he might sanctify it, I'm in verse 26, and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present, he, was he, that's Jesus, might present what? The church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that should be, that it be, should be holy and without blemish. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies which means this right here and harmonizes with other scriptures. Verse 28 says, Generally, men are selfish. (laughs) Generally, I know there are exceptions to that rule, but the Bible spells it out here and many other places. Generally, men are selfish. And ladies, y'all were nodding, but you weren't saying amen. You know what that's called? Being polite. (laughs) Thank you for not amening us guys. We know we're selfish already. But we have our moments, don't we, where we're not. We're not as selfish as we, our flesh wants to be. Our flesh wants to be that way. And then it says in verse 29, still, it harmonizes with everything I'm saying. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherished it. Some of our teenage guys, you can tell they spend a lot of time in front of the mirror, okay? You just need to shave all your hair off and you won't have to spend any time in front of the mirror. And so... But anyway, it, but nourish, cherish, even as the Lord, the church, for we are members of his body and his flesh and his bones. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother and move out of the house. <laughs> doesn't say that, but that's what it's saying. All right. And be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So that's basically Paul's summation comparing the proper marriage relationship to the way Jesus views his churches. And uh, so looking at that, uh, marriages are suffering and in danger all over. Most marriages are suffering due to selfishness. We've got that. Money is the biggest problem, but the problem behind most, you know, every marriage has had money problems. Every marriage. But behind all money problems is a bigger problem. It's called a communication problem. Okay? So if your marriage is suffering, it can all be or hindered or got a hiccup or got a roadblock. It all comes back to we're not we're not talking about it, you know. One couple, why didn't you tell me that you you didn't tell me you did that? I didn't know you spent that. I didn't know you did this. I didn't know. And that's it goes back. There's no communication, and whether it be intimacy or whether it be finances or whether it be whatever, there's there should be communication. Just this morning, uh, my wife and I. Uh, we had prayer together because there, we had a we had a miscommunication, okay, and there was some hindrances there, and and I initiated it. I initiated it. Said to her, "I'm sorry for the miscommunication." We had prayer this morning, and together, and she knows I make mistakes all the time, but who's responsible? Now she sometimes initiates the trying to get things, the miscommunication to make them right. But the responsibility is mine. The responsibility is mine as the husband, as the husband and leader in the family. I've got to talk. And and if you cannot pray with your wife, there's already a roadblock there. Okay? You've got to be able to pray. If you cannot pray with your kids, sit down on the couch, hold their hand or put your arm around them or just sit close to them and say, because some sons, when they get to be teenagers, they may not want to hold your hand. But you can sit beside them. Sit right here, son. Sit right here, daughter. I'd like to pray with you. To pray with you over something. If you cannot do that, something's wrong. 
can't do that with your grandkids, your great-grandkids. Something's wrong. We've got to be the leaders and the role models. What are you, I mean, you can role model hunting and fishing till the cows come home and they'll die being a good hunting or fisherman, but what will they take into eternity? What will they take into eternity? All right? And uh, the morality of marriage, you've got to deal with this real quick. I think I'm, I'm staying good on time. Folks, I know that, again, I cannot fix, and it's not my job anyway, but uh, the problems, but if we can point in the right direction, point in the right direction, Romans chapter 1, the, you know, Satan wants to destroy our marriages, and if he's after yours, be ready, be on guard. He wants to tear it up. The morality of marriage, Romans chapter 1, verse 24, Wherefore God hath also gave them up unto uncleanness, and this is talking about basically sexual promiscuity, homosexual relationships, and, uh, you know, a lot of people, now this is where a lot of people go wrong, that a lot of people think that uh, that Christians don't, and I've seen this, People basically it's uh, people in the name of Christ that are idiots, okay, and I'll just go ahead and use that, that's about as, as slang as I'll get in the pulpit. But, uh, and you say, you know, and they'll hold up a sign, God hates homosexuals, or God hates, you know, there's a bunch of other synonyms for that. that. That's wrong. He loves them. He does. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ died on the cross for every murderer, thief, liar, hypocrite, and everybody in over there in Ashley County Jail. He died for, he died for everybody. And folks, if you may be sitting here in this pew, but you are no better than anybody in this world. I mean, yes, you may be morally better, but in God's eyes, none of us are above or below. We're all sinners at Calvary. The, and I love that old song, the ground is level at Calvary. The ground is level. We stand before God needing a Savior, okay? And sure, we may look down upon those that have committed, we think, some uh, sin that's just way out. And, but the thing is, we don't need to look down on them. We just need to pray and care for them. And just and offer Christ to them, and and it's hard for us to do sometimes. And no matter whether it's a crime or just a sin, you know what I mean. Now some yes, I know crimes are sins, but you know what I'm talking about. That whether it be just a, I mean somebody may be have committed adultery and say, well, there that doesn't make them any worse. But yes, it makes they've made a bad choice, bad decisions, folks. Whether it be a kindergarten or a 94-year-old, any of us can make bad decisions. And we need Jesus. We need to ask Him for forgiveness. But the Bible says here that uh, we're living in a day where Satan, Satan basically, he wants to take marriage and he wants to rip it apart. And now he's taking marriage and he's wrecking it. And he's making it, he's making it, go, anything he can do to make it go what? Against the Bible. If he, that's all he's after. I want to take marriages and I want to divorce them. I want to take marriages and I want to make where instead of Adam and Eve, I want to make Adam and Steve get married. Okay, and instead of uh, in this and that, he wants to take marriages and he wants to twist it and corrupt it. You know what I mean? That's all he wants is he wants to take God's design and and go against it. That's what Satan wants. He wants to take God's design and mess it all up. And so. Uh, Matter of fact, this is a, this is New Testament, and it says here, if you just read real quick, God gave them up. I'm in Romans one twenty four. 
to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a what? A lie. And worship and serve the creature, that means any created thing, more than the Creator, who is blessed and forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against their nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat or necessary. If you have a King James Bible, it says it differently. I mean, uh, meat says meat, but if you have a different version, it'll say necessary or another synonym. But all end of verse 27, you keep reading, says is that there's going to be disease and problems that go along with this type of activity. And so God says that's going to occur right there. Well, yes, the morality of marriage is... And then, and then finally, I'm going to end up, and, uh, and hopefully I'm just, I've held on to you. I know this is a tough subject for some. Basically, what hope does your family have? The only thing that will alter, A-L-T-E-R, your family, is the family altar, A-L-T-A-R. Amen? The family altar. Can you pray together? The only thing that's going to change anybody's mind or heart in here, you say, my mind's made up, I'm not changing. I'm not doing anything different. And if you've ever hit your knee, we need to hit them now. Not metaphorically speaking, but literally. Literally hit our knees. Matter of fact, I, I, tying up this whole message, the very conclusion says to fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. To say, I'm, I don't want to give up because I know God doesn't want me to give up. And I, want to, I want to keep what He's given me. And I've said that before. I've preached before that, you know, I don't care if you've been married... One time or 500 times. Take what you have now and say, even if you say, well, I'm married to somebody I don't like. I'm married to somebody I don't love. I'm married to somebody. It doesn't matter to say, I want to start all over, God, but I, I've, since I'm married to this individual, I need to give my heart to them. Because why? Because God's Word says so. It does. I've seen people totally out of love fall all over in love again because love is a choice. If you're married based upon your feeling, you're married based upon, your marriage is based on selfishness. Because they make me feel happy and they make me feel good, that feeling will disappear. If your marriage is based on a feeling, the feelings will go away. If your marriage is based upon I choose to love this individual. They take vows. I've married people... A bunch of people on this very stage. I've married people everywhere. I've married people outside this room. I've married people all over the states, all over everywhere. But you choose. I mean, you saying you're saying before God in this company, I choose to love them for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, I cleave only unto them. For the until what? Till death 
do us part. It's a choice. Now, I know I'm speaking to a lot of people that's been through divorces. But that's, that's what I'm saying is, is that I know God can work even whenever we've said, yeah, I could have made better choices here and there. But I've preached this all my life, most of my ministry. Take what you have now and say, I, I'm, what did Joshua say? As for me and my house, starting right now, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. We will serve the Lord. I cannot leave without getting on 1 Corinthians 7. What if I have an unbelieving spouse or a backslidden spouse? What does the Bible say about that? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12. What if I have a spouse that they're not saved? Or what if I have a spouse and they're backslidden? They really don't. Man, preacher, they don't care what you say. I've dealt with that all my life. There's a bunch of people who don't care what I say. It doesn't matter what I say, really, because it all comes down between them and the Lord. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 12. <clears throat> but to the rest, I, uh, I speak, not I, not the Lord. In other words, Paul is saying, now listen, this is basically I'm trying to sum up what God is saying. If any brother have a wife that believe not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. Well, she's lost and backslidden. That's not a reason for divorce. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, I've got a husband, and, and they're not saved, and they're not living right. And uh, what do I do? It says, And if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him or her depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife? You're talking about you're, you're a Christian wife and you're living with somebody that's not living, they're a lost husband or a backslidden husband. Whether thou shalt save thy husband. Or what knowest thou, O man, because you're married to somebody that's lost or backslidden, whether thou shalt save thy wife. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, in other words, live, and so ordain I in all churches. Which tells me this. No matter that covers about every home in Ashley County, doesn't it? Singles, married, but I'm unhappy. Oh, I'm struggling, Brother Michael. I'm sure, I guarantee, I guarantee you, there's no way in the world this is not true. But I'm sure there's individuals and couples that are struggling here this morning that I don't know about. And sure, sure, a lot of people and uh, will come to me, uh, whether it be for 
advice or prayer. Most of the time, most of the time, I can offer a listening ear and some encouragement from the Bible. But the choice to fix is going to be yours. I, I can offer encouragement and prayer and a listening ear. But most of the time, the choice to fix is going to be yours. And I've given you where God wants you to fix it. God wants you to work on it. I guarantee you I'm right on that. And it's, again, it's not anything about Michael saying it. It's about what does the Word say. Because that's bigger. Y'all know that. That's more important than any other man, what they say. It'd be okay to pray today. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. Just say, you know what? I want to pray for my marriage, my home, my family, my kids, because Satan wants to... Satan wants to mess them up. Matter of fact, there's nothing wrong with saying, God, help me put a hedge of protection around my family and my kids. Was there one around Job's? Yeah. And God had it there. Sure, He removed it, but saying, Lord, I just please keep it in place. Please protect my home, my family, my marriage, my kids. There's nothing wrong with praying that kind of prayer. Lord, give me the strength if you remove it to not... Turn against you. Job didn't. Even though the hedge was removed, he went with him through the storm.